Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Rutman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Today, we look at life and death, one of the chapters in the memoir, and there's a very practical, I'm sorry, and there's a very practical uh, meaning behind that title in the case of your experience with life and death and thinking about things. Yeah, well, everything, uh, Jordan, is life and death because, uh, you know, chairs and stones and everything else outlive us, and we live, uh, if we're lucky, uh, 90 years, so... Everything is bound up in life and death. And when you get to my age, you begin to think about leaving the scene because uh, nobody lives much past uh, 100 if they're lucky to get to that. So I began thinking about it uh, in this way. Uh, What happened is that um, a couple came to me uh, that I had drawn a will for a while back. And um, he was Japanese. They were Japanese. And he was, uh, he's a professor at one of our local colleges. And he, I had, uh, as I said, I drew a will for him. He wanted a codicil for the will. But he told me about the estate that he now had. It been some years since I drew a will for him. And he needed an estate plan, not a simple codicil to a will. And that takes an expert to do. So uh, I said to him that we really ought to look around for somebody to do that because I'm not equipped to do that. It's become a very esoteric. Is that the right word? I believe so. It's a specialty of the law, no question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With all the rules and regulations. So, and... I, so I made some inquiries, and I came up with the name of Kristen Shirahama, mm-hmm. S-H-I-R-A-M-A. Sounds like one of those guys that flew zeros over Pearl Harbor. <laughs> General... Yes, uh, Admiral Shirahama. Uh, right, something like that. Uh, but Kristen turns out to be uh, a woman um, who comes from Connecticut, came to Boston to practice law. She married a guy, a Japanese-American, whose name is uh, Jun, J-U-N, Shirahama, who's a very handsome guy. They have a son now uh, who's a very handsome kid. And uh, Kristen is a wonderful lady who, in her 30s, became president of the Women's Bar Association. But anyway, to go back a little bit, um, I found her name and I said to my clients, let's go see her. So we made an appointment. I'd never met her before. Mm -hmm. And we went there. And um, within five minutes, you know, look, I mean, I've been around for a long time and I think I can pick out a good lawyer when I see one. And Kristen was very nice to them, gentle, informative patient, uh, low-key, everything you really would like about somebody that you want to figure out what you should do with your estate. And when it came to the matter of fees, she stated something. At that time, she was with a firm in Newton. Now she's a partner in a big firm in Boston. She stated a a fee that I thought was extremely reasonable. Mm -hmm. And my Japanese friends uh, ultimately did not hire her maybe because of what they thought was a high fee, which was for an estate plan kind of low. But I was very impressed with her, and I was 85 at the time, and I said to myself, well, you know, it's getting to that time of life where I should have an estate plan myself. Let me stop you. 
Mr. Mr. Lawyer of great experience, a little bit of the cobbler's shoes here, the fact that you had gone along helping so many other people, as so many do, and you didn't address your own needs until 85. I mean, one would think that a man who knows so much about the law and estates and everything else would have done this at 45. <laughs> well, not about 45, but I would say this. Uh, I think the reason for that is because I, I have some ridiculous notion in my head, despite what I just said, that I'm going to live forever. Well, we have you uh, contracted on the podcast uh, for another 50, 60 years, so you, <laughs> you can't get out of it and wiggle out of it that easy. <laughs> that, I may have to disappoint you on that. <laughs> but anyway, I think that um, I was too much involved in life <laughs> to be thinking about that. Right. But anyway, uh, after that meeting, um, I got in touch with Kristen and I said, let's meet. And we had lunch near her office and we got along very well. I told her that Lois who sometimes doesn't see the need for certain things, and I was having difficulty persuading her we needed an estate plan. And I said to myself, uh, you know, a woman of this character and this nature and this expertise would be good for this situation because Lois is some years, a decade or so, younger than I am, and I figured I would, uh, she would survive me, and I wanted somebody that to handle uh, legal affairs for her and somebody she could relate to personally. It's such a sensitive area of the law because, as we said, no one wants to really think about this. But it's it's one of those things that if you take care of it with the right people helping you, a lot of weight is lifted off your shoulders. It sounds like this woman is extremely capable and also personable and helpful in that respect. She's become, uh, she and her husband, especially uh, Kristen, has become my personal friend and Lois's personal friend. So it has worked out very mm. well. As a matter of fact, even before Kristen, I uh, was talking to a lawyer downtown and uh, he lived, He um, he's a very foremost uh, state planner and he was on a high floor and Lois does not like elevators. And then I got hit some of his bills and I was on the other end of getting a lawyer's bill, and I said, "Wow, I don't want to pay that." <laughs> so talk about elevator heights, <laughs> bills going to new heights. Yeah, um, let me ask you too to talk a little bit about uh, why people delay. You delay because you were loving life. Do other people delay because they just don't want to face the future? They're just I, yeah. Off I, not I think they don't want to think about death. And uh, I remarked in my memoir when I came to write about it. I said that it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous not to recognize that you're going to die, and not, and it, it doesn't make sense not to make uh, arrangements for what's going to happen when you do die. In this particular case, since we didn't have any children and our families on both sides, close family was were gone, we really left everything to charity. Now my estate is. I mean, I'm not Rockefeller and. Uh, uh, but I, you know, was a successful lawyer and I accumulated some stuff and 99%, you know, a house here and a house on the Cape and things like that. We left everything to charity. Which is a wonderful legacy builder and not just the fact that you're helping people, but your money and hard work and sweat and equity will go on to help so many people after you're gone. Well, I, th I was really thinking of that. And Lois and I put our heads together and we combined our various interests, some the same, but some different. And the 15 major charities that got major gifts, quite a bit of money, each of them, um, represented 
you know, she loves animals. There were animals, a veterinary uh, hospital, veterinary scholarship. Uh, I, I'm involved in a lot of Jewish stuff and gave there. I love music, so we gave to musical organizations. I'm going to change the will this year because times change. We executed uh, the estate plan in 2016, and now it's different in several respects. Um, so that um, uh, the charities uh, cover everything from scholarships social work i mean to it goes uh, some a part of it goes to the southern poverty law center because we have so many threats of terrorism in this country um a uh, a gift went uh, at one time to the boston symphony orchestra i'm not going to break that up i think into f- gifts to five local mm. musical organizations uh, I, I, so the gifts went to, to various things, to the preservation of Yiddish language, um, to the new uh, Jewish Heritage Center, which is combined with the New England uh, uh, Historical Genealogical Society. I remember attending an event. I was emceeing an event. You were there as well when we uh, saw the dedication of that and some of the money that went from other sources to develop that. You and I have crossed paths a lot. My friend, and uh, we have, and uh, I remember that <laughs> night uh, very well, Jordan. And uh, it it also resulted in relationships with some of these charities yeah. that were that changed my life around. For example, the one with the New England Historical Genealogical Society. They collected my papers. I mean, I I said to Lois twenty years ago, I think I'm going to become an historian. I don't know whether I believe that, but actually I did become an historian. And to have ever any historian once their papers collected, the papers collected, digitized, and put in order with my terrible handwriting and all that, and they were published on the worldwide net with a contents. Mm-hmm. That's really a compliment. That's Very a- prestigious organization, one of the most uh, respected genealogical associations and one of the oldest in the country. Goes Not- back to like 1843. Yeah, yeah. And it was all Yankee at one time. Well, that's a good point you just made, that it's not just making the estate plan and uh, deciding where you want things to, to happen and go, but you decide to take it a much stronger step further and connect with these organizations anyway while we're all still here. It's a celebration of all that's going on right now. Life for you is as much fun as it's always been, and you're able to see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, uh, more fun. And uh, another one was the, the Boston Food Bank. We gave a gift there. So they called me over one day to speak to some donors because they thought what I ha- might have to say would be persuasive. I set up there what is called the Lawrence and Lois Rutman Senior Hunger Fund or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They told me that kids are get all the money. Elders don't. And I said, let's make a fund for the elders. Who wants to see uh, an 80-year-old guy sitting on a bench with nothing to eat yeah. in Boston? So that, uh, But anyway, I gave a talk that day and— one guy gave $150,000, so I felt pretty wow. good about that. Well done, Lair. Well and, done. And uh, so uh, that was a great thing. And um, then um, I guess that um, the one that I told you about at the, new, at the Genealogical Society um, resulted in um, uh, a foundation grant that we left for the Jewish Heritage Center. They're combined now down at that beautiful building that's going to be expanded um, down downtown on, on, uh, on Newbury Street. Newbury Street, right. right. Yeah, here's so. here's a uh, thought, and I'd love you to comment on this, uh, leaving a 
uh, a little something extra for the audience in this podcast. Everyone listening to this, whether they have millions or very little in their bank account, they have some kind of estate, some kind of holdings. And whether It may not even be material holdings. Why should people think of that and remember that? And how can it make their lives brighter knowing that they're not going to be here forever? None of us will, but they can do something about it, even if it's I don't know, uh, old music collection or something that could go to somebody. Isn't that important for people to remember? Absolutely, because it has to do with history, has to do with our heritage, has to do with their family. You know, as I've gotten into some of this stuff, Jordan, at this age, uh, I recognize that uh, older people can do a lot. Cut from the same cloth is my idea that anybody can write a memoir, maybe not professionally, maybe they're not professional writers, but anybody with an education can write, and they can. And if they start dredging up the memories of a lifetime, they'll find they have a lot to write about, and they can write it, if, even if it doesn't get published, they can do it for family, friends, associates. There's a lot of people who would enjoy seeing that stuff, their children, their grandchildren, mm-hmm. even after that about this person who lived in the from 19-whatever-it-was to 2000-something. And um, so uh, it's – I think that I'm becoming very immersed in the idea of all the things that older people can do, even very late in life, that improve their own lives and are valuable for other people's lives. And there's a lot of wisdom in age. Not everybody displays it. You certainly have had uh, an opportunity to do so here with me, but also in your writing. You're also married, as we've said uh, time and again, to an amazing woman who keeps you very honest. In fact, she keeps you so honest that she buys you footwear, <laughs> socks. What's that on your sock today, Lair? I think that um, I think these these are beautiful socks, aren't they? Beautiful Jordan? socks. Right. That's a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, she reminds me that uh, I'm not as good as I think I am, and uh, that I'm a jackass. But yeah. on the other hand, she bought. You know, these socks were sold in a market down in Wellfleet, where we have a home, and uh, the guy that runs it is Marshall Smith, who was my classmate in we've high school. T- we've talked about Marshall. We've He's talked great. about Marshall. He's a great guy, and he just lost his companion of many years, and so he's expressed to me in a letter the other day that how bad he feels about that. But the, he, uh, one of the things he markets in this all-purpose uh, store are these socks. So the ones that Lois brought me were these, but also the other ones were shark, sharks, one with his mouth open ready to gobble somebody up. <laughs> and I think you said when I told you about this, well, you're both. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us guys are a little bit of both, but you definitely, I uh, mean, you, you can gobble things up. You gobble up. <laughs> knowledge, information, music, and... Uh, the Red Sox, but and, they're, they're going And down. baseball. All right, we'll talk about that at another time. But Larry, let's not stop talking about Kristen, though, because she's an important person in your life. Um, Kristen is important. As I said, she became a good friend. But the important thing was when we decided to do the estate plan, Kristen, I said to Kristen, why don't we do this together? Because, you know, you're an expert in this particular field, and you're the one that's going to have to draw the legal instruments. On the other hand, uh, I'm a lawyer, and uh, I think probably my part should be getting in touch with the various charities 
that we want to give to. Now, you know, charities like to be, a lot of times people leave money to charities never telling them, but charities don't like that. They they like to be informed beforehand. And I just told you some of the things that can happen personally, uh, good things from associating with Mm. the charities. Anyway, we undertook that. And it took us two years, really, to really uh, make the uh, estate plan of my dreams. And she did her part and I did my part. Now, you'd think that that would rankle somebody, another lawyer. Most lawyers would say, I don't, you know, I'll do my part, but, you know, I'll do the whole thing. And uh, But that wasn't the way Kristen operated. And we did things together. And uh, the reason it took two years is because you're going to contact the charities, uh, this, that, and the other thing. There's a lot of uh, angles to an estate plan. I mean, when she came over to my house, and that's Kristen, she came over to my house to sign the documents with the witnesses and all that. There were a mountain of documents. You know, there's uh, uh, there's uh, not. I mean, the will is nothing. Uh, really, the big part of it is the trust mm. and the various trusts and so forth and so on. It gets pretty complicated. So that um, so there's a lot of work that goes into it, and I wanted it to be one that would satisfy myself and Lois and be the right thing to do. So anyway, when it was all over. Um, and as I say, uh, during the during the course of this, I arranged to have dinner with uh, Kristen and her husband and Lois. And um, from talking about Lois's reluctance to have an estate plan, Kristen didn't know what to expect. And of course, when we sat down and and Lois cracked a couple of jokes, mostly aimed at me. They loved her right off the bat. Wow, she's funny. <laughs> well, I can attest to that. Every time I see her and we're getting ready to tape, uh, we, we have a go around. And it's usually Larry, the butt of the jokes. When you can take it, though. You're a big boy. I, I, I can take it. I, you know, one thing I've learned over the course of time, uh, Jordan, is I know who I am. So that I don't, whatever somebody says to me, they can say whatever they want. They're not going to change how I look at life. That wasn't always the case, but I've reached that point, and that's a very nice place to be. Mm. Um, so, you know, not that I can't take criticism. I mean, if, if somebody like you, whom I respect uh, a great deal, told me this, that, and the other thing, can this, blah, 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 I would listen, of course. Mm-hmm. But basically, I don't get upset. And um, so that's a good thing. Anyway, we finished all the documents. Well, actually, she came over to the house because I was recovering from an operation uh, the prostate operation that, um, not cancer, but the one called benign prostate mm. hypoplasia, where if you go with it long enough, you can't pee anymore. Yeah, you can't go if you go with it long can't enough. Can't go. And That's the whole point. So that, uh, and that was, I think I've said before, terrifically successful. So we're standing at the door of the house, and um, Kristen is saying goodbye. All the documents have been signed. And... I said, you know, Kristen, I want to thank you. I mean, it's really been a nice collaboration. We've done a great job. And that dinner, you know, sealed mm. the friendship with Lois and with the family and personal friendship. So she said, you know, no, she didn't say you know. She just said, I've never had a client like you before in my life. So I said, and me, not being particularly self-effacing, said to myself, oh, what a compliment that is. But then I began <laughs> to think about it afterwards, and I said, what did she mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not privy to her thoughts. I know she likes me, but she also 
could privately say this guy has been a sometimes a pain in the ass. She could have easily said that. Um, but um, time has shown that she's, you know, really a great friend. And um, so I, I count I count that as a very big experience, uh, personal association and a an estate plan, which is so important. And at the end of my memoir, I said what we've been talking about, how important it is to to make these kinds of provisions as you near the sunset. Well, it, it's a testament to um, hard work because I've done some of these estate plans with my own family. And Man, it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of detail that has to be paid attention to. It sounds like she's a terrific lawyer, but also a very fine person, and you're attracted to fine people. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You know, it seems to me that I have a lot of fine people in my life. I mean, you know some of them. We, we've been talking about them, and we'll continue to talk about them. This is as much a tribute to the friends of Larry Rutman as anything. So. Well, it is because, uh, you know, the people – I respect a lot of the people so much – and I think that a lot of them are brighter than I am by a long shot. Well, I know a lot of them respect and love you as well. We've got more to talk about with Larry. You're listening to the man himself as he tells his story. Thank you, my friend. And my pleasure, Jordan, always. This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Rutman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRutman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Rutman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life.